When the things of this world seem chaotic and provoke fear, what are we supposed to do according to the Bible? I'm Jessica, and you're listening to Notable. Hey guys, and thanks for joining me today. All right, so we have a hefty subject to unpack because it requires sound theology and a multi-level understanding of fear. So we're barely going to scrape the surface. I don't know everything. Um, Basically, what this whole podcast is, is me... Uh, sharing my findings, sharing what, you know, Bible study um, knowledge I've acquired, and you're on this journey with me. So I just want to, you know, put that out there right now. I don't know everything. I'm learning. Um, I pray that this is, you know, beneficial to you and that you would actually, it would prompt you to to go take a look at the Bible yourself. Um, ask yourself questions. Maybe it'll prompt you to to, you know, look a little further. Um, all right. So, so I, I do want to, in this episode, unpack its roots, the root of fear, um, its purpose. What are we to do with it and how to use the tools that we've been given specifically to handle fear according to the Bible? All right. So let's start off with its roots. When our faith and trust in the Lord is weak, We invite fear, which is rooted in the belief that God's word is insufficient. Fear is found in the absence of love. And who is perfect love but God himself? So let's stop and break that down um, a little bit. Fear is adopted when we believe a lie over God's truth. That seems simple enough. In terms of truth, there is a distinction of truth and fact. For example, it is a fact that David was small and unqualified, Um, but it was the truth declared by God that David would defeat Goliath, which superseded fact. God's truth, which is outside of time, supersedes facts of the natural world. Facts are facts and need to be acknowledged and understood, but they are not the place at which we necessarily have to stop because we have Jesus. And and that is a biblical distinction. All of us in the world have facts, but it is from the word of God that we find truth. Does that make a little bit of sense? Hopefully. Okay. So based on that information, um, that is where we know that God's truth is not bound by the world's evidence. That doesn't mean that it, the evidence isn't there and it, it, it doesn't exist. It just means that God is bigger than that. It is fact that Jesus died. He was dead at one point. It was God's truth declared that took Jesus beyond that to defeat death. Facts are facts regardless of how we feel about them. And it is God's word that creates a bridge between worldly facts and godly victory. Furthermore, when Adam and Eve defied God in in the garden, they were immediately overcome by fear. 
It was at that moment in our existence of humanity that the lie and illusion of fear made its debut. The goal of the enemy is to is is that we would be handicapped in Christ. The enemy's very goal is to get you to believe the lie of fear so that a wedge would be placed between you and God. Fear casts doubt and disobedience. It puts our focus on the issue rather than the solution. It looks to the future and sees doom instead of triumph. Fear is a tactic used by Satan to cause confusion and separation with God. Believing this lie of fear can actually cause a great deal of misunderstanding, misinterpretation, and bad theology. And I know that we are ever growing, um, we're ever learning, but when we understand this, it can it can help save us when we know what fear is and how um, how we are played by Satan. When we recognize those, I guess, false flags, we can take this information and use it to to guard ourselves. Uh, we use what the Lord has given us to fight the enemy. Fear also causes a view of the Lord that is inaccurate. Our foundation in the word becomes um, unstable and, and can keep us from our full potential in Christ. Think of all of those big fears that you have. Now think of the small ones. Um, those still count, even the smallest, and can invite the powers of darkness to invade your mind, distorting your perspective on the situation. Fear is what keeps so many Christians from prophesying, evangelizing, uh, stepping out in faith and participation. Believing the lie empowers the liar, and we ultimately allow ourselves to be subject to oppression. Isn't that something? I mean, the thing in which we fear is caused by our own disbelief and leads to oppression. And in that, I conclude it's a choice. It's a choice that we've made. Second, we have the purpose of fear. Um, we all have felt fear, but those who are unwilling to seek God's truth and and learn or dig into the word are the ones who don't necessarily know how to get out of their fear, or it takes them way longer. And as a Christian, I mean, we forget and, and, you know, we get sidetracked, we get distracted and we ourselves, I mean, it takes a long time for us to get out of our fear too. That's why we need to be grounded in the word of God. The world actually stays in its fear because the basis with which they feel and believe is circumstantial, which means it's subject to change with the perspective of their own understanding and not God's ultimate promise. That's why it's so vital to set a foundation in the word and meditate on it and, and get into constant prayer so that... Um, so that he can take your heart and mind and give you his. It's an exchange. It's 
it's a renewal and a constant refinement that aids in the conquering of your current level of circumstances that you're facing. In other words, you are equipped with the tools needed to defeat the enemy because of God. When you feel fear, you're not required to open the door for it and let it move in and set up shop. You're not obligated to cater to it or to give it attention, excessive attention, and eventually allow it to become part of your identity. That is actually what the world does. It often goes further and tries to mask it with worldly possessions and vanity. The point here is that you have a choice. It may not seem like it at the time, but there are distinct moments between realization and action where you can choose to live in fear or stand on God's word. You you acknowledge your fear without buying into its sales pitch. Um, fear sees things as hopeless and, and then tries to bribe you with self-serving and controlling acts um, or that the way to handle something is to take it into your own hands and, and try to control it yourself. One of the bigger questions here is why does the enemy want us to be consumed and overcome by fear, with fear, uh, to live in constant fear. Think about it this way. Once we buy into fear, we are distracting the enemy of his impending doom. Think of it as someone who knows their fate and will all, they often pull anyone down who is around them, they'll pull them down with them, which temporarily is a distraction of their doom, of their fate. And when we stand firm and overcome fear, when we conquer fear, we are a constant reminder of the enemy that he is defeated. The Lord said that he did not give us a spirit of fear. This was not a suggestion. It was not a um, a poetic expression that's meant to make you feel good and, you know, is nice sounding. It's a command. It's a declaration. And the words of the Bible are not meant to make you feel comfortable in your flesh. And that's why the world has such a an issue with the Bible and why they try to change it with time is because we want things at certain times in our life and the world gives in to those fleshly desires, whereas the word of God teaches that there is, there are morals and there are standards at which you need to constantly try to live by. The words of the Bible are not meant to simply be heard and worn like an accessory. These words go deep and they provoke action. It's not for show. And we see that a lot. Um, I think people want to, um, I don't know. I think I, I see it as like a trend sometimes that Christianity or just the belief in God and, you know, wearing crosses, those things become trendy. That is not Christianity. It's not about sounding philosophical or looking good. It's it's for cutting through and dissecting and revealing our hearts and our minds. It's, it's very controversial, if you will. 
because it challenges your very flesh. Um, He did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of sound judgment. But what does that mean? We can choose to adopt the worldview of panic and fear and worry. We can wear it and we can boast in it and we can compete as to who carries the heaviest weight of emotion. But in the end, we weren't created to live this way, which is why those emotions lead to bad, to bad outcomes. We, we were made, we were meant to reject and conquer fear, running it over with our power and driving it out with love and a healthy mind and healthy judgment. Um, self-control and, and a strong will are very, very influential in the defeat of fear. Now, moving on, uh, what do we do with fear and how do we manage it? What are the tools that we've been given? Well, in the New King, King James Version, it says a sound mind. Sound means whole and healthy and complete, wide-ranging, unblemished, um, an unblemished mind or a thought process or by which you analyze and judge things. This is a promise. This is what we have been given But do you actually believe it? Do we live our lives believing that? See, when when we are born again, that is not all there is to Christianity. Jesus calls us to be in constant relation with him. We are to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and work through us and transform us and, and retrain our thinking and our perspective because He does not leave us the way he found us. When you sign up for, uh, let's say, when you sign up to be in the military, when you make that commitment, you are not sufficient as you are in your current state. You are unqualified, but you are still able to join in your unqualification. That is because they don't leave you where they found you. You become equipped and sufficient. You are transformed into a new creature prepared for any scenario and just fully equipped. Why? Because you invested time and energy. And because you invested time and energy, they invested time and energy. And you participated and you allowed yourself to be transformed. You gave of yourself. You put your flesh aside and you laid your life down. You were challenged. You were taught how to survive and and fight the enemy and to protect. You would not have been prepared for such things if you weren't willing to lay your life down and align it, align your will with theirs. The same thing goes for Christianity. But how do we overcome crippling fear in the midst of horrific events or or political chaos and seemingly national or worldwide implosion. Because right now, if you're following the news, if you're, you're digging into different outlets of the news, you're getting a lot of information that is just, I mean, it's like daily, daily big headlines. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. So 
it does kind of feel like the world is, is closing in, like just this huge thing is going to happen. And that can cause a lot of fear, especially with all of the stories. And we're, we're bombarded with the world's way of living. And that is self-righteousness. But we need to stand firm on God's word. When you actually work out of a place of love, you see the good and you see the bigger picture in things. You see purpose and you see beauty and and you're more optimistic. God tells us over and over and over again not to fear for a reason. He sheds light on the enemy's tactics. Fear leads us off course. Think of how people in history have ever been under mass control. Think of all the scenarios that we learn about. They live in fear. The the enemy of the people destroys all hope and strips you of all potential, selling you oppression in the form of victimhood, telling you what you are worth which is very little in the world's eyes. He steals your joy and he tries to stomp out the truth when you are not firm in God's word. But what happens when you do stand firm and constantly remind the enemy of God's truth that we are victorious? What happens is is that God wins every time. Victory over fear announces and pronounces and reminds the powers of darkness where they are headed. Perfect love casts out fear. Complete, whole love given to us from God and poured out onto the situation and other people will cast out fear. I heard this from Bill Johnson and it blew my mind. Um, He said, deliverance begins when we are no longer impressed by the size of our problems. We all have fear and we are going through all sorts of things all the time. But don't forget, don't forget that it's your choice. Maybe the situation is not. Situations happen all the time coming from, you know, the outside and attacking us, but it's what we do with it. It's how we react to it uh, that determines a lot in our life. You don't have to necessarily, and I don't recommend ignoring fear either. I believe that we should analyze it and then get the heck out of there. Um, because the goal is to run toward God whenever we have these feelings. Declare his word until it becomes part of your thinking. In Joel 3.10, it says, let the weak say I am strong. We don't have to wait around for a prophetic word or a healing. We have the words of God right here. And he said that we can declare it, declare his promises. And out of those spoken words, we will see power of the living God rise up in us. Now notice in Joel 3.10, when it does say, let the weak say, I am strong. They are weak. They know that they're weak. They've acknowledged that they're weak. It's fact that they are weak, but the Lord, but the Lord, the Lord's truth supersedes their weakness. And he says, 
to speak life into their situation. And in order to do that, you have to speak life. You have to speak to your future. I can't get through that thing up there if I'm weak. So you know what? I'm strong. I know I'm strong and I know I can be strong. I know I can be strong. I know I can defeat it because the Lord told me I can. Our whole thinking, our whole perspective shifts whenever we speak life. When when you love, you trust and you obey. When you love, you are content and free. God is love. Therefore, in him, in his word, we find, we can find hope and joy and power. When we are afraid, we need to pour, turn around and pour that love, which we've acquired from God and pour love into the person or situation. As resistant as our flesh may be, that is how we get out of fear. Another thing is that we need to stop obsessing over our fears. I I don't know if it seems glamorous or whatever, but instead of obsessing over them, we need to turn around and we need to serve others. There's a real reason why the Lord wants us to serve others, to, to put other people before us is because when we are focused on our own situation, that's all we can see. We can't see past our own two feet, but when we turn around and we serve others, despite our situation, we help others get through. We help others get through their situation. Not only that, we learn from it. We we see the goodness of God work in them. We see the love of God work in them and pour out on them. And we start to believe that about ourselves too. We start to see, oh, God must really actually love me because he loves this person. He's pouring out into their lives and he's letting me participate in it. We should be helping others who need help. Um, Love on others. What do you do when you love something or someone? What do you do? What are your actions? How do you go about it? You get to know them. You want to understand them. You want to spend time with them. Uh, Love is not merely a feeling. It needs to be a practical action. It needs to be uh, demonstrated. And there is no reason for us to live our lives in prolonged fear. Fear and hatred killed Jesus, but we have his resurrected spirit within us, living in us and, and helping us, guiding us and rising up within us. So I hope that this message and what I've talked about so far makes sense and prompts you to dig a little further. Remember, we're on this journey together and we need to teach each other. We, there, we each have our own perspective, uh, view, and insight on, on certain things. We see things differently and do things differently than each other, but that doesn't necessarily make it wrong. Um, as long as we're taking whatever it is that we believe and challenging it against the Bible, I don't see any problem with helping each other out and exploring um theology and exploring these these topics and discussing having a conversation with one another about these things and refining them as we grow and dig a little deeper.
So with that, I want to go ahead and read some scripture. First up, let's take a look at Exodus 14, 10 through 14, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians marching after them, and they were very frightened. So the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What is this that you have done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians as slaves than to die in the wilderness. Then Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Take your stand. Be firm and confident and undismayed and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For those Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you while you only need to keep silent and remain calm. Do you see in that scripture how the Israelites were so afraid of what was happening, was so afraid of what they were seeing, they forgot God's promise. They forgot how terrible it was to be slaves in Egypt, and they effectively told Moses that he should have left them there because what they see in front of them, they expect to die. And so it would have been better if they would have been slaves than die right there. So they had forgotten the promise of the Lord because their fear completely consumed them. Does that sound familiar? I mean, we do this a lot and um, maybe we grow as time goes on, but there are times when we completely forget the promise that the Lord has given us, has, has spoken over us. We forget where he brought us out of and is taking us so much so that we point our finger at him and we say, you should have left us alone. And we would have never had to face this uh, issue that we're facing right now because it's far better to have not followed you at all than it is to sit here, follow you, and, and seemingly die. When in reality, the Lord had told them that they would be delivered out of Egypt and they were promised a promised land. Um They had completely forgotten their destiny, and it was all because of fear. Fear clouded their mind and and corrupted their judgment and made them believe that the Lord was leading them to their death. That was their perspective because of fear. Then Moses, you know, he goes on to say, all you have to do is is be silent and calm. And the Lord's going to take care of you because he already told you he was going to take care of you. They were focused so much on the storm, uh, figuratively. They were focused so much on their, their problem at hand that it blinded them. They were focused more on that than the promise of the Lord. And all they needed to do was be silent and calm and the Lord would take care of everything. So whenever you're feeling this sort of fear where it just completely engulfs you, think of this. 
Be silent and calm. Give it to the Lord and remember his promises. If you have to declare them out loud, just so that you demonstrate to the enemy that you're not afraid because the Lord has you. The Lord is taking care of you and you don't have to do anything, but let him be God, be who he is. All right, next up we have John 14, and I am going to read, or I'm going to start at 23. Jesus answered, If anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. One who does not really love me does not keep my words. And the word, my teaching, which you hear is not mine, but is the Father's who sent me. I have told you these things while I am still with you, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. You heard me tell you, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you really love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going back to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does take place, you may believe and have faith in me. I will not speak with you much longer, for, for the ruler of the world, Satan, is coming, and he has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me but so that the world may know without any doubt that I love the Father. I do exactly as the Father has commanded me and act in full agreement with Him. Get up. Let us go from here. So Jesus is there in the flesh speaking and is face to face, and He's he's there telling them the plan, essentially. He's He's telling them what's going to happen so that they would not have fear, so that they would know what to expect, so that they might have hope. They know that Jesus said uh, that he's leaving peace with them. And what is interesting about this is that he says that he does not give as the world gives to us. And I think that's a really interesting and very important Um, sentence in this scripture, because the world gives us things and expects something in return. There's always a contingency. There's always a condition. Nothing is free, but the Lord is freely giving his Holy Spirit um, whenever he, he rises again. When he leaves the earth, the Holy Spirit will take his place. And anybody who believes in Jesus will have this helper And the cost has already been paid. It was paid by Jesus's blood. So the cost was very high, but it wasn't high for us personally. He did it so that we would be set free. Then he goes on to say that we should not let our hearts be troubled or be afraid, but to let his perfect peace calm us in every, every circumstance and, um, 
that he would give us courage and strength for every challenge. And these are the promises that we need to declare whenever we are faced with challenges and we feel this fear trying to consume us. There was a plan set in place that is to shield us, to protect us, to prepare us for these times that are challenging, that get us so worked up and so overwhelmed that we might um, be led astray. And so the Lord is telling us that here is the plan for every single situation. All right, so the next scripture is 1 Samuel 17, and I'm going to start reading at verse 32. David said to Saul, let no man's courage fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him for you are only a young man and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized it by its whiskers and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who rescues me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. So as we know, this is the story of David and Goliath. David tended to the sheep and the Lord had used that time, that alone time that David had to, to strengthen him. So he, he allowed, um, the lion and a bear to come and snatch up these sheep. And these circumstances, these vital situations were the very situations that strengthened not only him as a, as a human, um, but his, his mind. He, he had no doubt that the Lord was going to help him in this situation because he had already de dealt with killing a lion and a bear. But because he was not a warrior, he, he wasn't a born warrior. And these were facts. So here everybody saw him, Saul saw him and said, you can't fight this giant, this huge man. You can't fight him because you're not a warrior. This, this guy has, has been a warrior since his youth. There, there's no way that you could defeat him. But David's time with the Lord allowed David to know the Lord's heart, to trust him, to listen to him. And he knew God's promise. Everybody else was staring at this big giant and they were filled with fear because nobody would stand up to him. And here little David was um, completely unqualified for this job. And he was the only one willing to stand up to him because he he trusted the Lord. He he knew that his God was bigger than this monster in front of him. So he wasn't looking at the storm in front of him. He wasn't focused on that. He he wasn't focused on the facts that laid out in front of him. He was focused on God's truth and God's truth superseded 
those facts that laid out in front of him, and he effectively killed Goliath because of it. He conquered this giant that nobody else could conquer, nobody else could kill, all because he he trusted the Lord. He knew God. I believe that there is so much more to the topic of fear and that we have barely scratched the surface. But I I do hope that this opens a conversation um, with yourself, with other people. I hope that it would prompt you to look further. There's so much going on here. There's different um, dynamics to it. There's also, you know, what the world teaches. And in order to fully grasp what the Lord teaches us and how to handle it, we have to understand the enemy's tactics as well. What I would encourage you guys to do with the the verses that I read aloud Any verse that I named off, I would encourage you to, hopefully you wrote them down, but to study them. Go in, read the Bible, and really pick apart each sentence of the scriptures, uh, and then try to figure them out for yourself. There are in each line, there's just so much going on. Um, you could get revelation after revelation, and I think that's very important for you specifically to do in terms of studying the Bible. Something else that I want to mention is that I suggest that you write a list of all of your current fears, Um, things that are small throughout your day and the big fears that seem overwhelming to you. And then think about what it would be like to give those fears, those troubles to God, not because they won't happen again, not because we're not going to see um, maybe similar circumstances come at us again, but because we need to sort of visualize what it would be like to to give it to God. And that begs the question as to why we hold on to it in the first place. Why is it that sometimes we're reluctant to give our fears, whatever they might be, to God? Why is it so hard for us to, to just give them over, hand them over and and fully trust the Lord. Why is that so difficult? Is it because the people around us, uh, people that we've encountered or or even ourselves have failed each other? We've failed each other. We have um, we've fallen short. There are things that you know we rely on each other for and we get hurt. So maybe we somewhere in our mind, we believe that the Lord's going to do the same thing. If we hand over this big deal, is he going to deliver or are we just going to be stuck with it in the end anyway? Now that is poor theology. That That's you inadvertently saying that you don't trust the Lord and that you you actually put him on the same level as humanity. Another reason why it seems so hard for us to hand over our issues is because we would have to actually admit that we can't do this. We can't conquer it in our own strength. We would have to give up our control and hand it over, effectively saying that when things are in our control, things do not go as planned. 
And one of the reasons why we feel the need to be in control of things is because we fear being out of control. When the reality of the situation, the reality is God is in control. God has got it. We don't have to take on every single thing, have the world the world's weight on our shoulders because the Lord already took care of it. He, all he wants us to do is be reliant on him to give our problems to him, to relinquish control and stop trying to have control over everything. And that's a really hard thing for humans. And specifically, uh, I speaking from a, a woman's perspective, being a woman and being a mother, uh, a wife It's very hard not to try to control things because you know that there is an easier way of doing something. Now, there there are ways to go about stuff like this, but we need to ultimately realize that there is more than one way of doing something. And once we get that through our head, we can take a step back and try stop trying to control people's lives and things around us. I think we could probably do a whole podcast on control by itself, but we'll, you know, we'll save that for another time. We won't get into that right now, but it does have to do with fear. I think fear really is the, the reason why we try to control things because we don't want things to spin out of control. We, we don't want to not have answers. With that said, we're going to go ahead and transition into our little desk prayer. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for the message today. I want to thank you for helping me to dig deeper the last couple weeks. Um, even though I wasn't able to to put out an episode last week, you turned things around for for the better and you were helping me along the way. You were you were pointing things out and and I know that I was supposed to speak on fear, fear and love and how we overcome fear. And I know that it's only the beginning. I know that there's so much more to learn, but I am on fire and I want to know more. I want to keep learning. I want to study uh, theology and I, I want to know more about you. And I want to to just, I want our relationship to grow. And I just pray that whoever's listening would would absorb this information and would take it not at face value, but would go and would challenge me, would challenge um, these words that have been spoken to go in and to investigate themselves, to to make sure that what I'm speaking is the truth, um, that they would have better understanding and, and clarity and, and they would be eager to actually go and look into your word, Lord. I want to pray for me and the listener that you would just, you would give us this resilience, that you would pour out your love because we know that we need that more than anything. And we know that it has to come from you. Love comes from you. I ask that you would give us this love Give us your heart so that that we would see a transformation in the way that we carry ourselves, that we would 
pour out these this love for other people, that we would have a shift in our actions that we've never seen before. The way that we used to act, react, um, we, we don't want to see that anymore. We don't want to be left where you found us. We want to keep moving forward over and over. We want to just keep going and, and progressing because ultimately we want to be as close to you as possible. And so I, I just pray for that love so that we can pour it out onto other people, speak life in, into our situations. I ask that you would cast out doubt and fear and replace it with trust and truth and understanding and wisdom. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You have not given us a spirit of fear. And I just pray that, that you would drill it into us into our mind what that means to not be afraid or to be able to pinpoint when fear comes along and know exactly what to do with it and how to defeat it and how to to keep it far in a far distance i want to personally know how to tackle fear because i know that from fear comes depression, anxiety, uh, self-serving actions, um, trying to control everything and take everything into my own hands. I already know that doesn't work. And I don't want to show or teach my children the ways of the world. I know that those things lead to to chaos. It leads to heartache and pain and a downward spiral. And I want to stay on, on your path that you've created. And I pray that you would keep me on, on track, that you would give me discernment. So I know when I'm, I'm getting off track and that you would continue to call me to these scriptures and, and point things out to me that I need to study and I need to learn. I thank you, Lord. I I bless the listener. Wherever they're going this weekend, whatever they're doing, whatever they're going to do come during the week, I just pray that you would pour out your peace and your love and have us have them look at things in a different light. I thank you, Lord. I thank you and I praise you and I give you all the glory. I thank you for everything that you've done in in my life and our lives. And I, I thank you for everything that you're going to do. We love you, Lord, and we worship you, and we thank you. In your holy, glorious name, in Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen.